You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Wednesday to you. I know I said yesterday on the podcast that we were going to do herd mentality today, but we're going to do it tomorrow because I was able to work in an awesome conversation with Jamie Eisner, who is our fantasy guru over at thedraftnetwork.com, and we had an awesome chat about the Bills and the fantasy outlook for all the players, and so I wanted to do that today. I didn't want to hold on to that longer than I had to. I wanted to drop it today on the podcast. So that is what is on tap today. Tomorrow will be herd mentality, and I have a lot of great stuff. I think this might be one of my all-time favorite weeks in terms of questions that have been sent in. So you have that to look forward to tomorrow. But uh, wanted to go ahead and explain that and then get to my conversation with Jamie. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and the UFC. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit in the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code LOCKEDON. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I'm joined now by Jamie Eisner, who is the managing editor of TDN. He's the co-host of the TDN Fantasy Podcast, and he wears a lot of hats at TDN, but the most forward-facing thing he does is produce really good fantasy content, and I love his work. I ask him questions all the time. I love how he blends the nerdy side of fantasy football with really strong football intelligence, with an understanding of teams and schemes and players and fits. And I really love how emotionally detached he is with his work. And that's hard for me as a somebody who scouts football players and really buys into skill sets, applying that to production on the field, not necessarily my strength, but I love that Jamie has that ability. So Jamie, welcome. Looking forward to talking bills and fantasy football with you today. Absolutely. That's a heck of an intro, Joe. I think uh, you've, you've gassed me up pretty good here. I'm feeling, feeling good being here on the Locked On Bills podcast and really excited to talk about this because we actually recently talked about the AFC East on the TDN Fantasy podcast, and there's not a lot of exciting teams from a fantasy perspective in the division, but the Bills are clearly one of them. They are a really, really fun team to have pretty much any of the pass game related weapons on. And I think that's where we're probably going to kick things off. For sure. And man, this Bill's fantasy conversation has come a long way. Thinking back to like 2017, well, 16, 17 and 18, where you're like, uh, maybe LaShawn McCoy, maybe Tyrod Taylor late. But now we're talking about guys that are towards the top of their position groups with one of them being Josh Allen, the Bills quarterback. That's the guy you want to be high on the list. So let's start there. How do you perceive his fantasy outlook for this coming season, considering the massive growth that he showed as a quarterback last year, but also considering that before his play really took that step as a quarterback, he was a good fantasy quarterback, despite you know uneven quarterback play. 
Uh, 46 touchdowns last year, yeah. 76 touchdowns over his last 30 starts. How do you process this player going into 2021? So he's such a fascinating player because he's really kind of been on an upward swing for some time. He just took that massive step forward last year. I think the best part about it for fantasy perspective is he kept all of the things that you really liked about him even a couple years ago when he was a better fantasy quarterback than real life quarterback. And that's the rushing ability and the high volume of rushing touchdowns. As I know it's a joke that he's essentially Buffalo's goal line back, but he has continued to be that player for them, and he's extremely effective in that role. You know, I look at his situation this year, and I don't see any reason why he can't repeat what he did last season. His head coach is the same. His offensive coordinator is the same. His weapons outside of a John Brown for Emmanuel Sanders swap are the same. Like, he is in a really strong situation here. And I, I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong, Joe. Did anything he did last year look phony or fake or non-repeatable. I just think this is what he is as a player now. And his situation being as steady and on a steady ground as he is, which is really a nice benefit for a young player because there are a lot of young players around the league that are changing coordinators every year or even going from year one to year two, like Justin Herbert's got a new coordinator calling plays for him. I think Josh Allen is in, in a really strong position to succeed and he's going to have plenty of passing volume. We saw Buffalo's passing volume jump last year you know, going from 513 total attempts to nearly 600 last season. And for good reason, this is not, this is quite frankly, a team right now that is probably facing a losing battle whenever they turn around and hand it off, just given the, all the weapons they have in the passing game and the forward progression of Josh Allen. I really don't see this team changing a lot about the way they operate this year. You know, and I think Josh Allen can be a player that with that 17th game this year can get north of 600 pass attempts. So you mentioned, you know, what part of it was phony last year. And I think that's what's most exciting for a player that has been as polarizing as Josh Allen has been up until last season. I mean, the guy left no doubt. And, and I think he had to, right? Or, or else the court yeah. of public opinion would be pretty harsh to him, I'm sure. Like, even remember week one against the Jets, he, he airmailed that touchdown pass, like, way high. And despite him having a really good game, that's all anybody wanted to talk mm -hmm. about was him missing that pass and then, you know, then the next game happened and the next game happened and the production was consistent and the big moments were consistent. So I think he definitely left no doubt. Now, what I want to ask you next is how you factor in a possible regression. And I'm not talking regression in his play. He could still play at a really, really high level, but statistically he could decline, whether that's the Bills defense being a better unit and, you know, the games wind up being a in the Bills control sooner, right? They don't have to pass the ball as much. Maybe the run game is better. Like, how do you factor in the fact that maybe 2020 was Josh Allen's statistical peak? Well, the way I kind of look at these and when I do these projections is I kind of look at rates. So I try to take, as you say, try to be less emotional about what's going on. And this is how I do it is look at a, usually a bigger window. So for Josh Allen in particular, I kind of combined his last two years rates. Like I'm not assuming he's just going to do have his peak season every single year. Right. And it's so tough to do that in fantasy when somebody has the best year of their career and you just want to automatically think they're going to do it again. Uh, so I kind of looked at his two-year averages in terms of his yards per attempt. Um, I weighed it more heavily toward last year because he's a different player in 2020 than he was in 2019. So to weigh them equally, I think would be unfair just to basically on the way that he has played. But try to look at what his touchdown rate would be, probably having more in that like five and a half percent range, which is very reasonable for a player of his talent level and volume. 
Uh, and we'll talk about whether some other players on different teams, <clears throat> Aaron Rodgers, where people don't want to factor in <laughs> touchdown regression, even though guys just don't throw 9% touchdown rate year over year. It just does not happen. But so I kind of looked at that. I looked at his interception rate and I basically tried to look at it of a almost like a two year window with a little bit more weight towards last season. And that's where I kind of came up with his projections. Now, all the numbers look a little weird because you're starting to get used to what an extra game looks like. Uh, you know, we, we all have in our head what a 16 game stat line looks like. And now we have to kind of adjust our, our, our weighting. But, you know, I have him going for a little bit more than 4,600 yards, 33, 34 touchdowns, 11 interceptions through the air. And then somewhere in that 500 yards, eight touchdown on the ground range. You know, I think he's going to be touching 24-ish fantasy points per game for what most uh, most leagues have him in scoring, which is going to put him in that upper category, which I think right now includes three quarterbacks. It's Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen. Pretty much in my mind, whatever order you prefer them in. Uh, I, I have him ordered that way uh, with Lamar Jackson one, Mahomes two, Josh Allen three in my rankings right now. But there is a minuscule difference between those top three, and I think any one of them can finish as the top quarterback last year, like Josh Allen actually did. Yeah, I don't want to split hairs over that, right? Because I had down, you, you have Josh as your QB3, but it is so tight because I went back and looked at your projections between Lamar, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen, and it's really not even worth debating because I think it's within 10 points or something like yeah, total like, fantasy points. On a weekly basis, it is 0. 0.72 points per game difference in a projection. Yeah. So like it, it, it's very, it's very minuscule in any one of those three players, I would not be shocked if they finished. And look, if one of them misses a game, that's going to be the difference. Yeah. So yeah. I, to me right now, I mean, Allen is going as the QB2 in ADP, in the early ADP for most leagues right now. Totally cool with that. I I, I can't argue it. If, I really can't argue any order for that top three. But Josh Allen needs to be in that conversation. If you took him to QB1, I don't think I would bat an eye. Uh, he, is, he has really shown that he has all of the elements that he needed. And, and in fantasy... You need that rushing element, particularly the rushing touchdowns. I think that part kind of gets lost. And yes, if you have a Lamar Jackson where he's going to be, you know, this year threatening, you know, north of a thousand rushing yards because of his ability. But it's those guys. If you look at like the the Josh Allen's, the Kyler Murray's, even the the Ryan Tannehill's of the world, it's getting into that like six, seven, eight rushing touchdown range is where you can really boost that fantasy value. So don't just look at yards. It's getting in the end zone. And quite frankly, there's no quarterback in the NFL that has a better chance of getting in the end zone when they're running the ball this year than Josh Allen, just given the way they use him, his size, and his fearlessness when they get inside the 10. So he's a tier one fantasy quarterback, but what does that mean for drafting him, right? Like, I know quarterback valuation in fantasy is very different than real world quarterback valuation because, you know, there's a, there's a lot of good options and maybe you don't get one of those top three, but you know, the, probably the next 10 or so are, are good players and there's not a whole lot separating them as well. So how early do you pull the trigger on Josh Allen? And let's keep in mind, there's a lot of the, probably all Bills fans listening to this podcast right now. If they're going to be in a league with a bunch of Bills fans, and obviously you want Josh Allen, you probably have to take him very, very early. But in a normal scenario, you know, like where's the where's the right time to pick Josh Allen? So right now I have him ranked as my number 43 overall player. So that would put him in that first half of the fourth round. Now, if you're in a Bills fan league, that's right. He's not going to be there. That's also for a single quarterback league. Uh, I think if you start to look and I'm, I'm trying to pull up my uh, super flex rankings here, which is becoming a more popular strategy uh, for those that are not familiar. It's you can basically use your flex spot like you normally would with a wide receiver, running back or tight end. But you can also play a quarterback there. So what it effectively it becomes essentially a two quarterback league. There's a little yeah. bit more flexibility, but there's really 
you know, outside of, you know, you just can't find a starting quarterback. There's really not a reason uh, to ever play a non-quarterback there. Um, in a super flex league, you're taking him in the first round. Uh, I have him, uh, you're probably taking him top five uh, in, in that sort of scenario, just because those elite quarterback plays give you such an advantage when you have to draft two of them. But, uh, you know, to me, if you're probably going to need to grab him, I would say in round three in most fantasy drafts, I tend to, in single quarterback leagues, push quarterbacks down a little bit. Just because if you're in a 10 or 12 team league, there are going to be plenty of options for you. I don't think you need to overdraft them. So if you want Josh Allen in a, let's just say a standard league that just isn't full of Bills fans, you're probably going to have to spend your third round pick on him. So let's shift gears to his number one receiver, Stefan Diggs. And I mean, the Bills were in wildest dreams land with what Diggs put on the field last year after trading a first round pick for him, leading the NFL in receptions and yards, you know, like the Bills haven't had a ton of thousand-yard receivers in their history. So for this guy to not only eclipse a thousand yards, but have the best season a Bills receiver has ever had, but also lead the league in some very important categories, to see him at the top of that list was a lot of fun. So uh, as a fantasy guy, I, I guess I have two questions for you. You focus on these projections. There's nobody in the world that could have predicted him to have the output that he did last year. So how do you treat that and then how do you forecast that this coming year? You know, I, it's, is it just, okay, he, he did it once, he can do it again. Is there some reasonable regression? Like, how do you piece all this together? Yeah, he's a tough player to project because, I mean, he's been a good receiver for a while, but he never received the target volume that he got in Buffalo last year. And uh, last year, he had a 27.85% target share. I mean, that is, that is pretty massive. I mean, that, that is among the best in the league that is touching almost Devontae Adams' territory in terms of just target volume. The question is, do you think he gets that again? And I think he can get close to that. Uh, I, I don't see a reason why they would use him any differently. Um, th where you start to kind of work in some of the regression is you want to bring down his catch percentage just a little bit because I believe it was a career high for him last year. He was north of, of 70%. So you want to bring that down to more of like a three-year catch percentage average. Same thing with like a yards per target. Like that's kind of where you want to work in some of the regression. I'm not necessarily sure he's going to get less work. Uh, I, I don't really see a reason why he'd be targeted less given his reliability, given the way they used him, and given the, quite frankly, the, the cachet of weapons Buffalo has, you really just can't scheme Stephon Diggs out of these games. It, it's just not a viable strategy for opposing defenses. So I think he can be a player that gets north of 150 targets again this year, maybe even as much as 170, which is where I have him projected if he stays at that same sort of target share uh, this year. I can see him. I don't think he's going to have quite the season he had last year, but with that volume, he can be north of 120 catches, 1,500 yards. You know, he doesn't score as many touchdowns as some of the other like number one wide receivers at the very, very tippy top of the category. But for me, he's my wide receiver too. Uh, I think he's a player that's going to be around that 19 fantasy points per game. You know, my rankings are for full PPR, which is a great scenario for Stefan Diggs, just given the amount of catches he's going to have. You know, in a half PPR league, he's probably, you know, knock him down a spot or two, but. He's a top four wide receiver, almost regardless of the format. He's another one where I don't think there's going to be a ton of regression just because I don't think there's going to be a ton of volume regression. I don't think anything else he did aside from just getting this massive workload was not repeatable. So to me, unless I have a reason to believe that he's suddenly not going to get a, a similar target share, I really don't have a reason to knock him too much. That's the thing with Stefan Diggs is as the season went on, he became more and more productive despite everybody in the stadium knowing the Bills were going to throw the ball to Steph Diggs. It couldn't stop yep. him. So I was going to ask you about the touchdown production. You mentioned it there in your in your reply. I think that's like the one thing with Steph Diggs from a fantasy perspective that 
is missing, right? He, I don't think he's hit double-digit touchdowns. Nope. And, you know, you look at this Bill scheme, they put, t- you know, 10 personnel on the field, four receivers all the time. And I think that benefits from a touchdown perspective, a guy like Gabriel Davis, who was wide open on all the, mm-hmm. and, and Steph Diggs has even commented on that. He's like, man, I wish I could get some of those looks that you get in these wide open touchdowns. And so I think the style of play that the Bills run is actually a detriment to touchdown production for Steph Diggs. Yeah, no, I agree completely. And when I kind of projected their touchdowns, it's very spread out. Like, I would not be shocked if Gabriel Davis is close to or not doesn't lead in touchdowns. Now, I have some other concerns about how much he'll be used and particularly the way that his season ended the last few weeks. But there are going to be opportunities for touchdowns in this offense. But also, Josh Allen takes a lot of them when they get inside of the red zone as well. Yeah, You know, he's going to take a handful of his own, right? So, you know, if there's one knock, it's that, you know, Stephon Diggs is probably more of that eight touchdown guy like he was last year. We start to look at some of the other receivers that are in the top five. They're at, you know, 11, 12, 13 touchdowns. But really, we're, we're splitting hairs when we start talking about this elite talent there. The volume that he's going to get is just going to make him an elite fantasy option. And that was also one of my favorite second half of the season prop bets is just taking the over. <laughs> on right. Stefan Diggs catches because it just felt like you looked up every game and he had seven catches by halftime. And you're like, Oh, this is, this is easy. <laughs> right. Free money to be had. I want to get into this Emmanuel Sanders, Gabriel Davis conversation. There's a lot of fun talking points I think to get into, but some quick thoughts on Cole Beasley. First of all, Steph Diggs, your wide receiver too. You think the world of him, And, and obviously that's comes with what we said about the touchdown production, Cole Beasley wide receiver, 37, I mean, he's aging a bit, but is there any reason to believe that he's still not going to be a prioritized part of this Bills offense? I don't think there's any reason to believe that. And it's he's one of those guys that it's funny. Like Every year, nobody's excited to draft him. He A lot of times, he gets drafted late or he's a free agent, and I feel like he makes his way into my waiver column every <laughs> single week all year long of like, hey, everybody, like look at what Cole Beasley's doing for the fifth week in a row, guys. Look at what Cole Beasley's doing. And that even extends back to la- uh, to two seasons ago. Like he's been a legitimate option for you on your bench or coming off as uh, off the waiver wire. Look, he he get what that's back to back years with north of hundred targets for him. You know, th- there's nothing sexy about his game. He's not you know he's not somebody that you're going to draft and people are going to go, oh wow, I can't believe I missed out on Cole <laughs> Beasley. But all he's going to do is be productive for you. Like he's going to get you on. He's going to get you a hundred plus targets. He's going to catch 80, 80 of them. He's going to be near a thousand yards this season. Maybe get you five or six touchdowns. Like he's going to be really productive on a weekly basis. He's going to be somebody that you're going to be debating in a flex spot constantly. And he's still not valued enough. He's come up a little bit right now. His ADP is wide receiver 51, but I still don't think that's good enough. Like yeah. he's been a player that I know there's some, you know, some comments that he made off the field that have people feeling some type of way. And, you know, we, we won't get into those on the show, but from a strictly football perspective, I don't know what you can see over the last two years. It tells you anything's going to be different about him as a player. He is the safety blanket for Josh Allen. He is the check down guy and he is open and he is productive <laughs> and he has been productive for two years now. Just nobody seems to want to, you know, this is almost like a, a couple of years ago, like a Tyler Boyd, for example, of somebody mm-hmm. that people just kind of kept sleeping on, kept sleeping on, kept sleeping on until he was so productive that people finally had to say, you know, I keep picking this guy up every year. I might as well draft him. And that's kind of where we are with Cole Beasley. Now he's now at least finally inside of draftable territory, but I still think he's a little bit too low. 
That's Buffalo Bills legend Tyler Boyd, uh, if you recall. Oh, he helped wow. get the Bills to the playoffs. Yes, that's right. So that's right. A good, a good name drop here on a Bills podcast there by you, uh, by Jamie. So let's talk about Emmanuel Sanders, your wide receiver 49, and Gabriel Davis, your wide receiver 80. And that's Gabriel Davis, who had 600 receiving yards and seven touchdowns as a rookie last year and averaged over 17 yards a catch. And so maybe that is something that people would look at and say, huh? You know, like, what is Emmanuel Sanders' role going to be in this offense? So we'd love to hear you compare those two players and contrast how you got to those projections. I flip-flopped those two uh, at different points this offseason because this is where it becomes difficult to project for certain players. And I've had to do this, like, for the Jets, for example. When somebody ends up becoming the wide receiver four, you have to account for that. So when you start moving guys around, you have to realize that you're not going to get four highly productive wide receivers in an offense. It just doesn't happen in that fashion. There's only so many targets to go around. So to me, it's always kind of been like, I initially had Gabriel Davis inside my top 50. Like I initially had him there. I've, you know, there's been a lot of really smart people in the fantasy community that have been talking about the issues that Gabriel Davis had toward the end of last year. And I, I tried to go back and take a look at some of the, really how inefficient he was on his targets late in the season. You know, they bring in Emmanuel Sanders and and the question is going to be is, is who's going to take on that quote unquote, John Brown role that's been vacated in this offense. I'm starting to lean that. I think it's going to be Emmanuel Sanders in that spot. And as a pretty solid receiver, you know, I I think if he is going to be that player, you know, I don't have him playing all 17 games. He's missed a, you know, he's missed a handful of games here and there over the last handful of seasons. So I haven't projected to maybe miss a couple games. But I think if he can be that 90 target player in that offense, he's going to be pretty efficient. He's going to catch, you know, more than 60 of those, maybe around 800 yards, four or five touchdowns, and he can kind of be that player. Well, Gabriel Davis is the more explosive option, the more exciting option. And, you know, if he progresses this year or he gains the confidence or we start to see him being used in that role in the preseason or through training camp, I'd be perfectly okay swapping these guys back. But Right now, just I, I felt a little bit more comfortable going with the veteran that they brought in and seeing what kind of role he could have in that offense and basically being that 80-90 target guy. And Gabriel Davis more being the you know take-a-couple-shots-a-game guy. Still think he could be a six-touchdown player even on more limited targets. But I, I've kind of gone back and forth, Joe, and that's why I want your perspective on this because nobody, nobody watches the Bills closer than you. Like, nobody on this planet. So what do you think about – do they bring in Emmanuel Sanders – in your mind, because they felt like they couldn't necessarily rely on Gabriel Davis to be in that role this year, or were they just trying to bolster the wide receiver core by bringing in a veteran talent? Like what is your gauge on it as we sit here in July? Well, it's, it's interesting. I'll start by saying this. You mentioned the John Brown role, which was a huge role in 2019, a thousand yard receiver, the bills, number one, you know, target in the passing game last year, he played less than 50% of the snaps and caught 33 passes. Yeah. So when we talk about the John Brown role, I don't really know what it was last year. They, I think they wanted it to be a thing, and there were certainly play, games where John Brown tried to play and he just was not healthy. But the fact that they went out and gave Emmanuel Sanders a $6 million contract on a one-year deal, and he's been a player that Brandon Bean's been after for a while. He tried to trade for him back when Denver sent him to uh, San Francisco, Francisco. Yeah. and and the Broncos said, no, we're not trading within the AFC. And so finally he gets a chance to get his guy here and he comes in. And I think there's this expectation that he's going to have a pretty prominent role on this offense. And 
for all the production that Gabriel Davis had and all the really encouraging words that have been said about him from the Bills coaches and players, he was a beneficiary of that scheme. He's not a guy that runs a very expansive route tree. He's not good after the catch. He's not a great separator. His drop rate was worse than Dawson Knox last year, 11.4%. He was four of 16 in contested catches last year, 25% for a big-bodied wide receiver in this offense. So I think it's really difficult to disconnect a lot of the hype and excitement that's there for this productive rookie receiver that kind of wasn't expected to reality of his skill set and what the Bills have told us through the signing of Emmanuel Sanders combined with what you mentioned, like Gabriel Davis falling off last year. And I know that we're all kind of focusing on those catches he made in the Colts game in that drive before the halftime where he made a couple of really nice toe tap catches along the sideline that set the Bills up for a score. But the reality is when you, when you, when you take the emotion out of it, you, you forget about how important those plays were. The signing of Emmanuel Sanders, the fact that they want to have veteran receivers around Josh Allen and the way that Gabriel Davis play and target share and inefficiency on targets declined as the season went on are all reasons for me to, to really buy into the way you are viewing these two players. Yeah. And some of it is just about safety. Like the way I look at my projections, I try to try to get them somewhere around like the 50th percentile. And what that means is based on past history, the way the offense is run, the way coaches operate, what do I think is the most likely outcome based on the information that I have right now? Like, obviously we're predicting the future. It's, it's all going to be wrong. Like just on some <laughs> level, it's, just, it's a degree of how wrong I am on right. some of these, on the, some of these players. But I agree with you. Like when sometimes coaching staffs are blatantly obvious with the hints that they're giving you. And yeah. for here, the hints are, and again, that's not to say that I, I think they don't think Gabriel Davis is good or that they, he can't develop into something, but we're looking at, what is right now? And I think the biggest thing in fantasy, particularly with the young players, it's really important to remember is it's not about what you want to happen. It's about what's most likely to happen. You might want Gabriel Davis to have a bigger role. You might want, you know, if you're a fan of another team, another rookie to have a bigger role. It might be more exciting for you, but that's not necessarily what's going to happen. And coaches love veteran players, especially veteran players that are productive and a savvy as Emmanuel Sanders is. And I think he's, if he hasn't already endeared himself in that locker room, if everything I've heard about him, he's going to very quickly. Uh, I just think he's going to be that player that Josh Allen's going to feel more comfortable with. And he can just do more things in that offense for them than what Gabriel Davis can do right now. So if I have to pick a nod of who is that third option outside of Diggs and Beasley, I think he's going to be the guy that gets the nod for me. And right now he's going outside the top 65 wide receivers in fantasy. He's a wide receiver 68. Gabriel Davis is wide receiver 63. I'm much willing to take a risk on Emmanuel Sanders. I just think his floor is so much higher. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto, a family business that's been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brands that their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend up to 30%, 50%, and even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you can need, brake parts, 
tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. Folks, you got to try Built Bars. They have so many amazing flavors, and they're the best tasting protein bar on the planet. There is something for everyone. Their flavors include coconut, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream. They're all delicious. My favorite is the cookies and cream, but I love the orange. I love the raspberry. I love the cherry. They're all good. Maybe you want to try Built Bars, but you don't know where to start. Get a mixed box. That'll get you two of each of the nine flavors so you can try them all in one order. Not only are Built Bars the best tasting, they're healthy too. Check out these macros, 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar, and only four to five grams of net carbs. The flavors are amazing, they're all tasty, and they're all healthy. Got a deal for you. Go to BuiltBar.com, use our promo code LOCKED15, and it'll get you 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Let's talk about Dawson Knox, the Bills tight end, who I really like. And I know that the consistency on the field hasn't been there, but I love the athleticism. I love the flashes. So help me here. Help me process Dawson Knox from a fantasy perspective, because I've really been preaching, and I'm sure you're aware of this, how he fared over the last nine games last year, including yeah. the playoffs, some good touchdown production, and he was finally healthy. He had COVID, a calf injury, a concussion. And he's really kind of been the unchallenged starting tight end for the Bills since he was drafted, despite really being underused at Ole Miss, a high school quarterback. There's some level of belief in this guy. and Maybe they'll blow this whole thing up and trade for Zach Ertz, and, yeah. and this conversation will be moot, but that hasn't happened yet. So give me the lowdown on Dawson Knox as a, as a fantasy tight end. The issue when you get into these types of tight ends down here is that most leagues you're playing one tight end and you're really not going to play a tight end in the flex. So you start to go down to this range here and I have him at tight end 35, which, you know, might shock some people, but the reality is the difference between like tight end 23 and 35 is like razor thin. I know I'm, I'm putting my hands up to the screen. This is a podcast. <laughs> this is a, the, these visual aids are not helpful, but uh, it, it's very thin. The reality is, so you have to kind of look at, is this player draftable or not in most leagues? And right now he is not draftable in most 12 team leagues. Now, some of it is the target volume, like how much target share is going to be remaining for him. You know, I have him, you know, last year he was a little over 10% when he was healthy in the games that he played. That was his target share. I, I can't see him really gaining a lot more than that. Um, he does have some injuries and, and illnesses that you have to factor in there. Uh, and part of it is, what do you think his catch percentage is going to be this year? Like his career catch percentage is 55%, which is not ideal as everybody knows. And that's been a, that's been a factor in his game before, you know, his talent intrigues me. You know, I, I do think there are times where he could have some decent games. I just don't know if he's going to have enough volume consistently to be a player. That's going to be very fantasy relevant. And I think that's the element that is so important in fantasy that doesn't get talked about enough is just volume matters and just having the opportunity. There are lesser players that are going to get more opportunity and are going to be more productive, even if they're not as good. And, and that volume play matters significantly in fantasy. So that's when you start to get into some of these fourth and fifth pass catching options on teams on good teams, like the Buffalo bills and go, this is probably going to be a better real life player than going to be a fantasy player. 
let's let's uh, play the game. Let's assume the Bills trade for Zach Ertz. They give up a six round pick. They have to pay him three million dollars. What would you? I, I know it's hard to, to kind of speculate, yeah. but how do you how do you envision him coming into Buffalo? And I know that you've probably worked on Zach Ertz as a member of the Eagles and how he's fit into that two tight end scheme. I mean, would would that be a player that would move the needle for you from a fantasy perspective? More so than Knox is now, but I don't know if I would move him into like the top 20. I just mm-hmm. one, I don't know how much Zach Ertz has left in the tank over a full season. Like last year's regression was significant. Now going to a new team would be going to a new team, a high pa- a higher passing offensive team, and quite frankly, a massive upgrade in quarterback play from what he dealt with last year is all significant. But the same target volume stuff comes it comes into concern for me. Like if Beasley and Diggs and Sanders are healthy, how many targets per game is Zach Ertz reasonably going to get? And, and I think that that's my only concern where I understand the move from a real life perspective, but from a fantasy perspective, I just when you're going to feel comfortable on a weekly basis. So for me, if you're in a 12 team league, you're probably 18 ish tight ends are going to get drafted. Now, the difference between the 18th tight end and the 35th tight end is maybe two fantasy points per game. That's not nothing. I, I don't want to say that, but you know, there's a bigger drop between, you know, Darren Waller and Mark Andrews, for example, at three and four than that. So, you know, there's a point where you're going to start mixing and matching. If you're in like in a super deep league, maybe you play with 18 people or 20 people or something where you can start to mix and match some of these players and, and you like the upside. But the reality is, is there's probably only 18 or 19 draftable tight ends for most of the listeners out there. Uh, my fantasy league, we do one and a half points per reception for tight ends. I think maybe a couple extra points for a t- uh, touchdown. So I, I kind of like that to it's smart and, and yeah. more leagues need to, we need to do more to make the, these positions equal. Like I, I, for me, I think the three biggest changes that you could probably make right away add a super flex, make tight ends 1.5 PPR and make a third wide receiver standard. Uh, because I think having only two wide Balances receivers it. as your standard with so many wide receiving options, it just, yeah, it just the pool of available players is too strong. So they're, they're Superflex is starting to become more popular. That's the next phase. And it looks like in, and I bet you in five years, that becomes the stand, the quote unquote standard across the industry. But there needs to be a few more tweaks to make a quarterbacks more valuable to reflect the real life football that we see on TV, which is definitely something that needs to be done. Something to make tight ends more relevant. So we don't get into this conversation where it's like, well, there's like five good tight ends and then we're done. And then so many good wide receivers, like now we just talked about four, four yeah. quality top 80 receivers that are on the Buffalo Bills. You need to make at least three standard to start. So that way you're at least playing 36 to, you know, depending on your flex spot to 48 players per game at that position. JB, let's talk about the Bills running backs. And what's interesting is I've been asked about this from a fantasy perspective on the podcast, and I've answered it the same way you have the Bills running back stacked up. Devin Singletary, your RB35. Zach Moss, your RB50. My rationalization is that Devin Singletary has been more involved in the passing game, despite like the touchdowns aren't there. He had two rushing touchdowns last year, and one of them he should not have had. It was against Denver, like the last play of the game. Should have taken a knee. But my guy wanted to get paid dirt because he knew he wasn't going to have many chances. So I get nervous about that, especially because Zach Moss, they, they drafted him in the third round as well. But it seemed like they liked his pass catching ability and, and wanted to get him more involved. And people will tell you that as the season went on, that Moss had more market share and obviously he had turf toe early in the season that affected him. Obviously a weird season with COVID and not being able to get onboarded. 
But I'm still in the camp of Devin Singletary is the better play between these two running backs. I'm not confident in that take. Zach Moss is still not healthy, right? He's still coming off the ankle yep. injury. So that's kind of how I process this thing. Again, I, can't, I take I'm not confident at all, and maybe neither of these guys are worth rostering in fantasy, but how do you look at these two Bills running backs? It, so I have Devin Singletary as my RB35. Moss is my RB50. Um, and, they're, and they're actually kind of flip-flopped in ADP. Moss is going a few spots higher as RB39 in ADP right now with Singletary going at 42. I'm with you. Uh, Devin Singletary was de- definitely far more involved as a pass catcher, was also more involved uh, as a running back because even in the games that Zach Moss played when when healthy last year, uh, Moss only got forty four percent of the RB carries mm-hmm. uh, in those games. So it, it, it's not like they were just okay. Zach Moss is back; he's clearly our RB one. You know, there's going to be a split here. I think I feel more confident in Devin Singletary playing a full season right now than I do Zach Moss, given the the injuries that he's coming off of and still dealing with. You know, I I think that the carries are going to be fairly similar but yes in a, in a ppr league or even a half ppr league the difference in receiving production is going to be significant at least enough to matter like i i think devin singletary could be a you know a 35 40 catch player over a 17 game season you know where you're maybe going to get a catch a game from zach moss maybe catching a half like at most mm-hmm. so i just I, that's going to factor in by the end of the season if you keep all the rushing stuff fairly similar Again, they're both going to have to deal with Josh Allen vulturing their rushing touchdowns. Just And quite frankly, neither one of them has proven to be consistent enough option to not do that. Like Josh Allen, putting the ball in Josh Allen's hand, either as a thrower or a runner, has proven to be a far more reliable option for Buffalo for multiple seasons now. And quite frankly, Buffalo doesn't have time to be cute. They're a Super Bowl contender. They're trying to win it all right now. Josh Allen gives him a better chance to win with the ball in his hands. That's not to say they're not going to try to run the ball more, or try to be a little bit more "quote unquote" balanced. As this is the time of year where everybody wants to be more mm. balanced, but not the Bills. They've McDermott and, and Dable have been asked about it. This uh, this uh, good. They said they said you know we're not really concerned about balance. We're concerned about winning games. So good. I, I credit to the Bills. They don't give a crap. I love it. that they said that because yeah. it's like yeah, balance matters if you're good enough to be balanced. Like right now you have one, one, yeah. one avenue is so much better for you and is, is such a weapon that no. So like, look, so both those guys are not going to be exciting to have Devin Singletary. I think is worth having on your bench. He's worth, he's, he's draftable. You know, Moss is on that fringe of draftability for me. I just don't know when you're ever going to feel confident playing him. And I think that's something you also have to think about during your draft of what is the reasonable path to this person playing for me? Should I take a higher upside to take a flyer on a player that, might flame out, but that's fine because if he flames out, I'll drop him in week two for whatever the hot pickup is of the week. Yeah. Like, what is the path forward where you're like, yeah, Zach Moss is in my lineup this week? I, I, even with a Devin Singletary injury, it's going to have to be like a four or 16 bye week for you to even consider him playing. I guess, real quick here, Tyler Bass, kicker six, big leg, extra points are going to be there. Is there a whole lot to say here? I mean, that's pretty high for a kicker, top 25% of the league. Yeah, uh, he was he was really good for them last year. I'm trying to see where he he finished uh, among all the kickers last season. But you know, as you start again, my my advice here would be you you draft a kicker and a defense in the last two rounds because the reality is you're way better off mm-hmm. just uh, you know streaming these guys. But you know, last year he was tied for the third most fantasy points among kickers. Young Waku, Jason Sanders were one and two, and then he was tied with Daniel Carlson uh, with a 9.9 fantasy points per game. Don't see it like that offense isn't slowing down. He's going to get no. plenty of opportunities. I know it's not an easy place to kick, but 
big leg, displayed that last year, displayed that in college. Like I don't see any reason why he cannot continue to be a, a high-level kicker for you. And they trusted him with some big, long field goals in the playoffs. So I, I think that was the appeal when they had Hauschka. They knew that they had to get it within 50 yards for them to have a chance at scoring points. With with Bass, they can they can unleash the leg there. But you you do see the Bills as a top 10 fantasy defense. Well, how do you even how do you get there? What's the thought process to get to something like that? It's tough. Like project, I hate projecting fantasy. I bet, defenses. man, it sounds like a nightmare. Uh, essentially, you want right now they're going as a, the defense six, uh, which in in ADP, which I think is a little bit high. They were the they were the number fourteen defense in the league last year. It's tough. Uh, you know, their, their division helps a little bit. You know, you're, you're dealing with a rookie quarterback on one side. You're dealing with whatever the whatever New England is trying to deal with, whether it's going to be Mac Jones or Cam Newton. Uh, you, you know, and, and two on the other side. So a lot of young quarterbacks, not a lot of exciting quarterback play and points allowed matters. Uh, but I think the th- only thing for me that holds them back from being like a, a top five defense is in fantasy, it really matters. Those splash plays like it's sacks, it's interceptions, like those, like those high volume, you can afford to give up some of the other po- You can avoid to give up some points if you have a lot of those, which is why you see teams like you know, the Steelers, the Rams, the Ravens, Washington and stuff that inside of the top five last year. But, uh, you know, Buffalo to me is absolutely worthy of being a starting team for you, but you play the matchups for me. Yeah. I, I will never draft the number one defense in my league. You play the matchups on a weekly basis, and that is proven year over year that if you just stream uh, options off the waiver wire, you will likely have a better defense on a weekly basis than what the number one defense ends up finishing as for a specific team. You mentioned sacks and interceptions. I happen to think those are more random things. And so the fact that the Bills, as a team that doesn't rely on that, is still a team that you think could be a top 10 defense. I, I like that from a real-life perspective. He's Jamie Eisner, host of the TDN Fantasy Podcast. If people want to check that out, what's going on? Tell, tell the people about that show and, and what you guys offer. Yeah, so right now we are going through every single division, breaking down some of our five biggest questions, biggest bust, biggest sleeper, biggest question, must draft at their ADP, must avoid at their ADP. We're going division by division right now. Uh, the AFC East is up as we speak, so you can hear us go a little bit more in depth about some of these questions that we've talked about. Uh, if you are a listener of the Draft Dudes podcast, you're very aware of Chris Schubert, who is also the host of the TDN Fantasy Podcast. And so he uh, he wanted me to say that Josh Allen or Stephon Diggs were going to regress, but I would not do that for him. So you can listen to how that plays listen, out. We know the podcast. I might have to have Shuby on this podcast to talk about his Super Bowl pick. So you know he's not expecting any regression from from Allen or Diggs. Yeah. So he tried tried to bait me into that. I'm like, uh, uh-uh, that's not going to happen. But you can check that out. We're going through all of that, and you can also, if you look back in the archive, we break down. Uh, every single position group and all of their projections, how I get there, where they rank. So uh, I encourage you to check that out at wherever you listen to your podcast at the TDN Fantasy Podcast. And you're going to do the weekly rankings again this year because I, I looked at them every week. I'd yep. sit there and like you talk about, like there's so many different good plays. I would literally go to your articles every week and say, all right, where does he have these guys? And I would pick whoever you had higher. And um, I, I did pretty well. I did pretty well. I, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. I didn't win my league last year. Uh, sometimes I went off the grid. Maybe that was a mistake. Hey, no, it, it look, it's always, I always suggest that it's your team and you always need to make the decisions that you feel comfortable with. Cause we're all guessing on some level it's educated guessing, but we're yeah. all guessing. And anyone that tells you otherwise is lying to you. <laughs> uh, but yes, under, under the fantasy tab, the draftnetwork.com every week during the season, it's broken down by position, quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, uh, flex plays, kickers, and defenses. 
every single week throughout the season that will be there. And there'll be, you know, waiver wire columns and all of that stuff that everything you basically you need in draft season and during the season for your fantasy team, you'll be able to find under the fantasy tab at the draftnetwork.com. Draftnetwork.com. You can follow Jamie on Twitter at Jamie Eisner. Thanks for giving us your time today, Jamie. Thanks for having me.